Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. I need you to really lean in here this evening, all right? I need you to lean in here this evening. Amen. I'm going to try to the best of my ability to, as I hopefully I try to always do, and that is bring this in such a way that our hands can just grasp around it and our minds can. But uh, sometimes you have more time to think on some things than other to be able to express yourself. And uh, so with that in mind, I need you to lean in because if you don't catch it through me personally, I need you to connect with the Spirit. Amen. Because there is such a thing that you can get in the audience and connect with what the Spirit is saying in so much so that you can just connect to where you know exactly where that person is going because you made a connection in the Spirit. Now, some of you looking like I'm speaking Greek and Hebrew to you right now, but I'm telling you the God-honest truth. Uh, worship, uh, we've been on worship, a series for worship for, uh, I don't know, six, maybe five or so services I have diligently uh, given myself to time both Tuesday and today concerning that line again but that's not what we're doing here tonight okay that's not what we're doing here this evening as a matter of fact I feel like uh, through study the past couple of days that that chapter for that is closed all right that's finished amen but I do feel like the Lord uh, this morning laid something on my heart that even after studying all along the lines of worship today that he took me back to this afternoon. And so with that being said, I want to go to John chapter number 12. This is the reason why I need you to connect in the spirit with me. Amen, right now. John chapter number 12, I'm going to try to teach. Amen. And just teach something here today. Amen, the Lord would help us. John 12, and starting with verse, verse number 9. The Bible says, Much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there, speaking of Jesus. And they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death, because that by reason of him many of the Jews, this is by reason of Lazarus, many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. I'm hoping, I'm asking God to help me. I can't do anything without him anyway. But for a little while to teach along this line, for Jesus' sake and yours, for Jesus' sake and yours, amen. Can we pray right now, Father? I come to you. God, I pray, oh Lord, I need Jesus. God, you're anointed upon my mind. Oh, my heart and soul. I pray God anoint this audience and this congregation tonight, Lord, that if nothing less, we can, Lord, somehow make connection in the realm of the Spirit. I'm asking, oh, Lord, God, bring things, Lord, about and order, God, as you would have them, Lord, to be conveyed. I pray, oh, Lord Jesus, this evening, this is your holy book. 
God, it is written, God, for various purposes, the Lord Jesus and reasons to help us, God, in our daily walks, in our relationship with you. And I, Lord, accept, Lord, expect no different tonight that it will speak, Lord Jesus, something into our lives. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. Everybody say amen. 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 You may be seated tonight. <clears throat> I, want, I want to somehow uh, convey to us this evening that uh, each and every one of us are so vitally important, so vitally important to uh, the church and vitally important to the kingdom of God on a whole, that it really does matter concerning us and our lives and who we are. Uh, the reason why I say that is that it's very uh, easy and simple sometimes around our house, let's say, or your own personal home, it's easy sometimes to get into the mindset, well, it's just us mindset. Because Sister Rhonda McGee, whenever it's the it's just us mindset and it's my wife and just the kids, we can sit down and uh, we can whip out some bologna and cheese, paper plates, some old bread, chips, elbows on the table, and it's no big deal because it's, just us you know whenever whenever it's just us uh you know sometimes we put our, our you know, a lot of times you know we put our our, our feet in, in, on the couch all right uh whenever it's just us i don't go I, against popular opinion i don't always walk around with slacks on and a button-up shirt or a tie in a three-piece suit because we have this idea well it's it's just us. But I'm afraid to a certain degree that the attitude of it's just us can sometimes find and creep its way into the church. See, we, we kind of, we, we operate a little differently whenever there's company that comes to the house, especially if it's someone that's never been there before. And, and you know you 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 only have one one time to make a first impression, and so you're you're trying to do your best, and you 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 know the kids you make sure their hair's combed, and you know everything's just so so because it's just not just you, and so when we come to the house of the Lord, uh, sometimes we can get in the mentality that it's it's just us, but I, I think it's important to value who you are. It's important to value who you are. Uh, there are some people that have enough value upon themselves that uh, just because it's just going to be them home that day, they're still going to get dressed and brush their teeth and, you know, uh, fix their hair, even if it is just themselves because uh, they value themselves to a certain degree. And don't get me wrong, I'm not talking against lazy days that you want to have because it's just you, but understand, I'm saying we need to take value in who we are as people. Amen, who we are as people. Uh, whenever we begin to ponder this in our mind this evening, I want you to understand that in the story that I read to you tonight, and it was just a short segment of a story, but in the story that I read to you this evening, there were really a few different people that was in that scenario where the Jews came to. There was uh, Martha that was present, there was Mary that was present. There was Lazarus that was present. 
there was Jesus, of course, and then we get the, the inkling that there are some of the disciples that are there as well, particularly Judas Viscaria uh, uh, is there and made a mention of in particular. But there's a lot of different people that are there. And the Bible says that the Jews, and they have been known this, the Jews at different times have already been around Mary and Martha uh, because whenever Lazarus died, the Jews came uh, to Mary and Martha's house to comfort them and to mourn with them over what happened. And we see through a product of the Scripture that these same Jews, uh, whenever Jesus comes on the scene in that scenario of Mary and Martha's house, that uh, Mary is told by Martha secretly, the Bible says, that Jesus wants to see you. And she arises. Martha's already been out there and had conversation with the Lord. But Mary rises seemingly by the appearance of everybody else in haste. She arises and they're thinking, these Jews, that she's going out to the grave of Lazarus. And she's going out there to weep and do some more mourning. So we're going to rise and go with her, no doubt, to mourn with her and, and to weep with her. But she was really getting up in haste to go to the Lord. And so this group of Jews, likewise, uh, go to where the Lord is. And, and Mary makes her, her mention concerning the Lord. If you had been here, uh, you know, our, our brother would not have died. But then all of these people, uh, go out to the graveyard, to the cemetery, where Lazarus is. And the Jews, this group of Jews, witness a great miracle that happened that day for Lazarus, him being raised from the dead. And that had a very great impact upon many of the Jews that were there. Because some of them which seen what Jesus had done, the Bible said, believed upon Jesus because of what had taken place there. And so there's a group of the multitude that believed on Jesus and then there's another group of the multitude that went away being tattletales. Yeah. There's another group that went to some of the chief priests and some of the people and said, I want to tell you what Jesus did. Uh, rather than just being all struck by what happened, changed even by what happened and believing upon what happened, they just wanted to get the upper hand and say, here's this Jesus again. You know, we've caught him, we've caught him healing on the Sabbath we caught him opening blind eyes. We caught him making the lame walk. We caught him making the people that couldn't speak speak. We caught him cast out unclean spirits. And here he is again, I want you to know. He's called someone that's dead to come back to life. No, 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 no. Bad, 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 bad. But here is this group now, this same, uh, perhaps some of them saying, group of Jews, and the Bible says there is a gathering together of people six days before Passover. Jesus is going by Bethany. He was real good friends with Mary, real good friends with Martha, real good friends with Lazarus. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us in John chapter number 11, whenever he speaks about them, that Jesus loved them. Jesus loved Martha. He loved Mary. He loved Lazarus. And he had such, such a great love even upon Lazarus in particular that the Bible says whenever they asked him to come see, where the, show me where you've laid him, show me where you've laid him, the Bible says that he went and he saw. It's in that scripture that we have that shortest verse of the Bible of John 11, uh, uh, verse number 35, Jesus wept. And the multitude looks and say, oh, behold how he loved. 
And so he's just, he just loves this family. And so he's passing by Bethany. This is where they lived. Y'all going to be all right? We're just passing by Bethany, and this is where they lived. And it wasn't uncommon whenever Jesus was in, in a close proximity to Bethany, he's going to show up at the house of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Such good friends with them. He's going to show up there. Now, there are certain reasons, no doubt, why he would show up if we would start to think just a little bit. Because Mary has been known to be the anointer upon the Lord. I mean, it seems like whenever he's in the presence of Mary, she's, she's washing feet and she's pouring oil and she's giving all this adoration to him. I mean, who wouldn't want to go to a house like that? And for the other token, whenever he goes to Bethany, then there's always Martha. Man, she's up, man. She's cooking and she's got steam rolling and there's macaroni over here and there's, you know, lamb's leg over here and she's doing all this stuff. Man, this, who would not want to go to a house that whenever you enter in, they start cooking? I like houses like that. So we got Mary here, we got Martha here, but then, then there's this, this Lazarus. You know what's so notable or should we say maybe even not notable, but so notable about Lazarus is this. There is never of Lazarus any recorded words of Lazarus. You hear Martha speak. You hear Mary speak. But there are no recorded words of Lazarus. Yet when he was in that condition of death, and Christ is going to the tomb, he weeps, and the people say, behold how he loved him. But we never learn of any intercourse concerning Lazarus. And so then Jesus goes by Bethany. All these people are here. Man, we got, we got the, the anointer here. We got the server here. And now we have Lazarus whose story is this. He was sick, he died, and he's been resurrected. And he's sitting at the table with Jesus, and so we have these different people here, Jesus being among them, and it's drawing a crowd. And as the crowd comes, the verses of Scripture says this very plainly, amen. They say, much people of the Jews, in verse 9 in your hearing, much people of the Jews, therefore, knew that he was there. They knew that Jesus was there. Speaking of Jesus, and this is vitally important. I hope I can share my heart, my burden of today with you. They came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also. We need not funnel into the mentality of it's just us mentality. Because, listen, and I'll get into this just a little later, but people will come to church not just for Jesus only, but to see some of your lives. And the reason being is because Lazarus had a juncture in his life that he was in fact and indeed dead. But now he is resurrected. The New Testament scripture in speaking of the church to the Ephesians, if you remember in our Ephesians study, he told them in Ephesians 2 and 1, he said, you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. 
So the multitudes gathering, not just because of Jesus only, but because of the change that they could see the change that was in Lazarus' life. And so I can't just live, well, it's just us. It's just Bishop McGee, and it's just the McGee family, and it's just the Craig, and it's just so and so forth. It's just us. You know, no great thing. We're just going to go to church, and we're going to shake a few hands. We'll socialize after. We'll socialize before, and we'll raise hands and praise God, and everything be well. Wait a minute, folks. There may be people gathering that's not just here for Jesus only, but they want to witness the change from death to life that has happened in your very own life amen because notice if I could speak of Mary and Martha and Lazarus Lazarus among the three is this Lazarus is the witness though he never spoke a word though there is never any recorded word of him saying anything Lazarus is a witness someone say a witness See, because we get the mentality that a witness is somebody that says something. Primarily, that's what we tend to think when we think of a witness. Think about a witness at a stand or, or you know, somebody that verbalizes or says something. But I come this evening to say quite on the contrary, sometimes you don't have to say anything to be a witness. Someone say a witness. For that matter, in the Old Testament, the Bible speaks that Jacob and Laban made a compact between one another and Jacob took seemingly a large stone and set up, up as a pillar and he said, this is a witness. He said, gather some stones together and they gathered stones together and made a heap and he said, this is a witness between you and me. Those are two inanimate objects. They were not living and they could not speak. Because in essence, at its very basic core, a witness is just evidence and proof. Just evidence and proof. Someone say amen. And so here it is. There's just evidence and proof there. Another place, Old Testament scripture, just another just, uh, example for that matter. An altar was, was devised as a witness. An altar's not going to start calling and calling people up and down their numbers and say, just let me tell you something. No, 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 no. But it was just a witness. It was just evidence. It was just proof. Listen now. In Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8, God has empowered us by virtue of the Holy Ghost with something. Amen. Acts 1 and verse number 8. He says, but ye shall receive power, right? After that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses. Unto me, both in Jerusalem, in, Jude, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to other most parts of the earth. Now, I've heard it preached a thousand times. You receive the Holy Ghost, you get power, and you need to be a witness. And we preach down people's alleys. Bless God, if you're not going out and propagating the gospel and telling people about the Lord and all this, then you're failed. You got the Holy Ghost. You should be doing that. But I've come to tell you that by your life, by your life, by the way that you live your life, not saying one word, you are a witness and people sometimes are not just coming for Jesus only but for your sake as well someone say amen. amen we all have influence folks we have influence 
Really, you do. You have influence over somebody right now in your life. Whether you're aware or unaware of it, you have influence. Whether it's positive or negative, you have influence. What's so important about the witness? This is it. Because we have Martha, the server, Mary, the anointer, and now Lazarus, the witness. All three at Bethany in the same house. As a matter of fact, Mary and Martha's sisters, they are sisters to Lazarus. Lazarus is their brother. They're all related. If I could say, I know we see diff three different people. If I can describe it like this, three different aspects of the same family. Is that all right? Three different aspects of the same family. Anointer or worshiper, if you want to go back to a few weeks here, past. Amen. And we have the server and we have the witness. Someone say amen. Look though, listen folks, look. The crowd, the people came not just to see Jesus only, but Martha? No. Martha's the server. People's not interested in the service, the serving. They came to not see Jesus only, but Mary? No. They didn't come to see the anointer. They didn't come to see the worshiper. Now, grant you this from the last week's yes. Jesus seeks the worshiper. But do you know what people seek? The witness. They didn't come to see Martha. They didn't come to see Mary. They came. They said, I, I'm coming not just to see Jesus only, but to see Lazarus. I want to see the witness. I, I want to see the change that's in this person's life. And many times when people come to church, it is not for Jesus only, but it's the change that he's made in some people's life. Some people that they perhaps even knew that are different than what they once were. So I can't get the mentality, well, it's just Paul McGee. Yeah, but you were dead in your trespasses and sins, and he's quickened you and made you alive. Someone say amen. So no recorded word of Lazarus. He's mute throughout the story. Mary, on the other hand, she's speaking to the Lord and, and she's worshiping the Lord, has gestures of reverence to the Lord. Martha is serving the Lord with great fervor. She speaks to him at great length. As a matter of fact, out of all the three, she speaks to him at great length. Amen. And Jesus loved all of these. But even before the transition of Lazarus becoming a witness, Jesus is weeping over him because of his foul condition. Amen. And so here is this group of people then that just come to Bethany and they're just looking not just for Jesus, but they're looking for a witness. Now, why is this so vitally important to us? Amen. Because you can go without saying a word. I want to emphasize that and be a witness. Now listen, people have always looked for a witness. Even in Jesus' day, they've always been trying to find a witness. Everybody say a witness. The Bible tells us, if I find the right scripture, I got several scriptures around here. There's always a witness and people are always looking for a witness. And so what the enemy tries to do is discredit the witnesses. 
It's his mode of operation. He likes to try to discredit the witnesses because people's looking for a witness. The Bible tells us in Matthew 28, starting with verse number 11, Matthew 28 and verse 11, the Bible says, Now when they were going, behold, some of the watch came into the city and shewed unto the chief priests all the things that were done. What is, this is speaking of are the soldiers that stood guard the tomb to the Lord Jesus. That they go back and they start telling the chief priests, Guys, we were there. And there was an earthquake and things started to shake. And the Bible says they fell down as though they were dead. And said, the stone rolled back and now it's empty. And so they begin to talk about this. And when they were assembled with the elders had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers. Said, we're going to give you some big money here. Saying, say ye... His disciples came by night and stole him away while he slept. In other words, don't, don't tell anybody else about the earthquake. Don't tell anybody else about falling down as though you were dead. Don't tell anybody else about the stone rolling away. Don't say anything else about it. Just say that the disciples took the body away while you slept. And if this come to the governor's ears, we will persuade him and secure you. So they took the money and did as they were taught. This saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. So man, they, they did well. What were they doing right there? Because they know that with this happening, the people are going to be looking for a witness. And they had a witness, a verification of what was true. And they said, we can't let that happen, so we got to somehow taint the witness. Or in that case, buy off the witness because we can't get let word out. See, what happened was there was many people back in John 11 that were already impacted by Jesus' deed in the grave. And so then when they seen the witness, others believed and were converted. Do you understand what I'm saying here right now? Yes, in a certain sense, indirectly, it was because of Jesus, but it was because not just because they came for his sake, but they seen Lazarus. They seen the witness. If I can read a few more of the verses in Scripture, the Bible says, but the chief priests in verse 10 consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death. Why? Because the power of the witness was so strong, though he spoke nothing, the testimony of his life spoke so strong. They said, we're going to have to do away with the witness because his life as a witness is converting people to Christ. Yes. I don't... Oh, yeah. So if you wonder why you feel like you're in the crosshair sometimes, why the devil's always on your back, always up in your junk in your life, I'll tell you why. Because they've not only come for Jesus, they come to see your witness. You don't have to speak a word. They're wanting to discredit it. He's got my God. Satan's wanting to kill it. Because they said very plainly in verse number 11, why they thought they might also, because see, they'd already put in their mind after Jesus did what he did and people were converted and they believed upon what the Lord said. The Bible says from that point in time onward, they sought how to put Christ to death. Uh-huh. As a matter of fact, Jesus, you see shortly thereafter, he's going out into kind of a wilderness. He's being a little obscure. He's not ignorant about what they're up to. His, his time was not yet. He's being kind of obscure because they have already started putting counsel together how to put him to death. 
Because of his deed, many believed and were converted. And so now they're thinking about putting Lazarus to death because of him being who he is. A dead man that is alive. We got to kill that. You know what? I think I would think twice about trying to kill someone who's already been dead. You know what? That's just like the devil, though. He's stupid. Whenever we've already been brought to life from our sins and trespasses, he's trying to find another way to kill us. But how do you kill something that's already been dead and brought back to life? He'll endeavor to try. He'll endeavor to try. And so they said there in verse 11, because that by reason of him, Lazarus, many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. And so we got to try to kill the witness. Someone say amen. amen. And so they tried to discredit, they tried to do away with Matthew chapter 25. And it's amazing though. And again, I want to reiterate, it's not necessarily, yes, you can be a witness by what you say, but it's not just what you say. It's who you are. That's vitally important. Because there can be, there cannot be harmony between what you say and who you are. You can be saying one thing and be being something else. And you're a witness. You're a witness by your life. In so much, in Acts 4.13, I know I'm all over the place, Sister McGee, I told you there in no particular order. All right? But in Acts 4.13, listen, Peter and John, the healing of the lame man, they're brought before the council. They're getting in trouble, slapping their hands. You know, you shouldn't have done this. By what power did you do this? And they begin to explain by the Lord Jesus Christ. And they say all this stuff. How have they done this? But in Acts 4.13, the Bible says concerning these rulers, now when they saw the boldness, they did not say when they heard the boldness. They said when they saw the boldness. What are we saying? Peter and John were being a witness even without saying anything. Folks, they don't just come for Christ. They come for your sake. The witnesses' sake. Now watch, watch what happens in the word here. Back to Matthew 28 and verse 17, Sister McGee. And I won't, I won't hold you folks long. You'll, you'll understand right now tonight that this is just not me, okay? Because I'm a man of preparation. Every eye is dotted. And every T crossed. But when the Spirit says go, I must go. I don't care. Take no thought of what you'll say, he'll say. Matthew 28 and verse number 17. This is after that Matthew 28, 11 through 15 thing where they're trying to discredit, buy off the witness. All right? Look what happens here. We'll have to understand this in the whole scheme of things. The Bible says in Matthew 28 verse 17, see here are, here are the disciples, they're gathering together in Galilee, Jesus had told them to go here and whenever they saw him, speaking of Jesus, look, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Listen to me. The doubters were not totally impacted and this is important, the doubters weren't totally impacted by the worshippers. They seen him, some worshipped, and some doubted. Now what's taking place here? Well, again, considering the harmony of the Gospels, in John chapter number 20, we see that the disciples meet with the Lord, but Thomas is absent. 
The disciples come to the Lord, and you know what the Lord shows them? Listen to me very clearly. He shows them the nail prints in his hands and the nail prints in his feet. And when they saw that, they said, there's the Lord. Seen it. If I can, if I can, if I can somehow break it down for us tonight, what they did was, was seeing the wounds of death in a living body. Mm-hmm. Talking about after Calvary. Whew. They've already been trying to discredit and tank and buy off some witness. But he had in him the wounds of death. There would be no other wounds. They knew what those wounds were. There had been too many people crucified in that day and hour. They were familiar with the death penalty and crucifixion in that day. They knew exactly and just because they knew that was going to happen. But other people knew what those wounds were. Those were the wounds of death. But they're not in a dead body. They're in a living body. Boy, that's awful familiar with a Lazarus who was dead but is now alive. Now look. In John 20, all of them here, I don't know how many was gone, but we know for sure that Thomas wasn't there. All right? So now here later in Matthew, whenever Jesus is showing to himself, this was not the first time that he had shown himself to some of the disciples. That's the reason why whenever he shows up, some of them are worshiping. Why? They've already seen the nails in the, in the nail prints in the hands and the feet. They've already come in contact with the witness. Somebody hear me. They've already come in contact with the witness. So they're worshiping, honey. They know what it's all about. But there's Thomas and whoever else may not have been there. They're doubting. Why? Because I know Jesus is here, but I also need a witness. Not for Jesus' only sake, but for a witness' sake. And you know what Jesus says? He says, Thomas, in John 20, he says, see and behold the nail prints that are in my hands and my feet. Thomas says, my Lord and my God. What's he saying? There's my witness. There are some death wounds in a living body. Say no more. Now listen. Jesus' body is not presently in the form of humanity, flesh and blood, walking on this earth anymore now, is it? And so you see what's frustrating then to some people is they come for Jesus, but they also need still a witness. But there's no literal body to behold the nail prints in, the hands and feet. Maltu's not just come for Jesus only, but also Lazarus. What's Lazarus? Lazarus is a testament of something that was dead that's now alive. Jesus' resurrection and the prince in his hands was a testament of something that had died and was alive. But now Jesus is not walking in shoe leather around here. How in the world are we still going to have a witness? That's the reason why some people are frustrated. They come to church and they see Jesus, but they're needing to see a witness. And so some come in because they've already experienced that and they can worship, but others sit there in doubt because they need the witness. And that doesn't mean telling them, oh, bless God, let's go to Acts 2, 38, starting to buy. No, no, they need a life. They need a life they can look at and say there's a death wound in them, but they're still living. 
the Bible say? The apostle Paul, Galatians 6, 17, he told them from henceforth, let no man trouble me. Why? For I bear in my body, we are the body of Christ. I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Well, you tell you, I bear the marks of his death, yet it's not I that live, it's Christ that lives within me. Our generation, our world, they're not coming to our churches for Jesus only. They're coming for your sake as well. They still need a witness. And his body is not here in flesh and blood except through your life. It's for Jesus' sake and yours. Oh, let's just raise our hands right now to the Lord. I thank you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, help us, Jesus, right now. Oh, God, help us, Jesus. Mighty, 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 mighty God, mighty, mighty God. Brother McGee, I'm just not a real vocal person. That's all right. Join ranks with Lazarus. But just live your life, will you? Just live your life. Because they're just not coming for our Jesus. They're coming for your sakes. I'm going to close here very quickly. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Mm. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost. He said much people came because they knew Jesus was there, but they weren't there just for you. There'll be people coming just because they know Jesus is here or they've heard word he's here, but they need you, your sake, your contribution of being the witness. And be a worshiper, that's great and wonderful. Amen. But the worshipers, even among the disciples, didn't have a grand impact upon the doubters because the doubters need a witness. All right, I close. Stand with me, stand with me. The last chapter in the Bible of Revelation, verse 22 and verse 17. And I don't know if I've hit all the scriptures that I pin down here and there as pinning this here's prayer room stuff from praying before church so who knows because God speaks so well whenever you pray to him brings enlightenment revelation but in Revelation 22 and verse 17 notice John has beheld all these visions he's beheld a new Jerusalem that has come down out of heaven all these wonderful famed things he has witnessed amen that God has done he's witnessed the worshiping of the 24 elders and of the beasts and all these things worshiping he who sat upon the throne he's heard the voice of Christ saying I'm the first and the last Alpha and Omega all these things John has taken in yet in the end as he's pinning some words in verse 17 inspired by the Holy Ghost the Bible says and the spirit and the bride say come the spirit and the bride say come I'm not surprised by the spirit beckoning but he throws in that conjunction there the spirit and the bride who is who are the bride Y'all are the bride. 
He said, if any man thirsts of all this stuff, you know what? There should be a call in the last day that not only should, not should only there be a drawing of the Spirit upon men and women, but there should be a drawing of our lives in witness of having been dead in our trespasses and sins and now alive, saying, come on. Come on. Come on. Mm. Hallelujah. So I'm telling you right now as a church, don't wait for things to somehow just let up someday and you're just smooth selling. Uh-uh. The enemy's wanting to discredit the witness. He's wanting to buy you off. Mm-hmm. He's wanting to buy you off. Because by your witness, there'll be many that will believe in him. By your life, by who you once were, but now who you are, many will believe in the Lord. You're telling me that they were that drunk or they were that alcoholic or they were that floozy or they were whatever and now they're, they will believe. They could believe so emphatically in Jesus because he was right there before him, but he's departed now. But now we're the witnesses here. Amen. So we go through some junk and garbage and our life just becomes a living witness. And people come to our churches and they experience Jesus, but they also see prints of a death wound in a living body. God, I love you. Hallelujah. It's for Jesus' sake and yours. It's just not us. You need to evaluate who you are in God. There's great impact, great influence that is there when you understand this. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Mm. Hallelujah. That's all right, Sister Trout. We'll just magnify the Lord with you. God, I love you, Jesus. God, they know that you are here, but they're not coming for that only. God, they know you are here, but they're not coming for that only. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can we just gather up here? Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.